live. Hello. Hello. Uh, hi, all. Welcome. It is Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And yeah, uh, you're, not allowed <laughs> to, you're, you're not allowed to have nuanced takes in politics anymore, apparently. Well, no, you uh, haven't in a long time. I learned this a while ago. People are completely incapable of nuance. It's a problem. It makes it very hard to get along and get things done on the left specifically, because there is no concept of nuance. Yeah, uh, obviously, if those of you have been following us, uh, you know, it's it's definitely Monday, Miss Anonymous, you are correct. It definitely is. Uh, smash that like button. Let's get this out there. Uh, you know, we've been in this uh, political racket, as I like to call it, for a better part of, I guess it's four years now. It's been a while. Uh, We've been partners for over four and a half years. Yeah. And there have been, you know, multiple instances of, you know, bumps on the road, circumstances, things like that. And so this particular conversation couldn't have happened at a better time. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've obviously known and respected Matt Orfala from a distance because of the fact that he's very, very good at, uh, editing and cutting B-roll footage for a variety of different types of political messaging. Uh, the most notable, of course, is the type of messaging that he is known for, which is showing how corporate news is used to basically manipulate and propagandize the masses. Uh, whether it's a consistent message over and over again, uh, but the one message that is universally thrown out there is do not dissent under any circumstances, do not dissent. And our nuance when it comes to specific issues as it pertains to politics, in this case for RFK, is not that he's anti-vax. It's the fact that he's been pretty forceful for a while now about reducing the military spending and the fact that we have a shadow government, you want to say led by the CIA, whatever you want to say, He's been pretty aggressive uh, in, in those particular statements. And, of course, uh, going out on a limb saying that he would pardon Julian Assange. He also came out today and said he would cancel student debt. So there are takes that he has that are good, even if there are takes that he has that are bad. And he certainly has quite a few. The problem is, is that there is this universal dismissal uh, among certain segments of the left where there is no opportunity for nuance. There is this complete dismissal across the board of the the person in question. If something significant is up for debate and it's and they're on the wrong side of it. And so simply by pointing out that the reason why there's been so much ire by corporate media that's been directed at RFK is because he's been saying we need to end these endless wars. We need to, you know, pardon whistleblowers. We need to do these types of things. We need to recognize that inflation is a result of corporate greed basically giving us a hidden tax. That's exactly what it is. Um, So if people don't want to talk about those particular issues, so be it. But here we are right now in a situation where there was a significant pile on against Jen on on, uh, social, on us, we should just say, on social media today. Yes, let let it be. And my, my, my my, my point is, we have to get to a point where we can have conversations about people that we do not agree. You know, we don't agree with Donald Trump, but we do agree with him axing the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Right. Were we not supposed to point that out? 
Well, this is the problem is it's just too tribal and everybody has their team. And once you've decided your team, you're not allowed to like anything that the other person has to say. And it's very black and white. These It's like, it's kind of crybaby politics, not quite crybaby politics. I find it really stupid. And no, I'm, also over, I'm also over the whole thing of calling the COVID shot a vaccine. It's not. It's a COVID shot. It's just not a vaccine. Um, and as far as his stuff on other vaccine stuff, yeah, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. But if he's going to pardon Julian Assange and not have drilling permits issued in Alaska, that's enough for me at this point. Our bar is low here, people. Yeah, not sure what happened. Matt was just here and now he just, I don't know if he got bounced <laughs> out, but we'll find out, uh, you know, exactly what happened um, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, he just uh, sort of vanished. Maybe he's having technical problems. Yeah, so, you know, we'll find out about that uh, in a minute. Um, yeah, I'm sick of this whole um, harping on the RFK anti-vaxxer thing. I just, I don't care. I don't care. I'm even willing to stipulate, okay, he's against vaccines. All right, move on. Thank you. Next. Like, I just, I, if they just will not stop harping on that. I just find that very irritating. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, there's definitely uh, something to be said for just constantly trying to throw everyone under the bus because, you know, you don't agree. Um, but I also think and we talked about this. I think social media deliberately does this. And we'll talk about that with our guest. He is a yeah, content- get him on before he disappears he a, again. Yeah, before he, disappears. he is a video content creator. He has made some excellent, <laughs> excellent uh, videos uh, that really highlight the corporate media hypocrisy in the way that they divide and conquer us uh, thoroughly uh, over and over again. Uh, Matt Orfala, for the first time and hopefully not the last time, welcome to Generational Change. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the invite. I totally agree. You know, there's a big issue with people not being able to have nuanced conversations. So hopefully let's have a nuanced conversation. Yeah, let's. (laughs) Thank you for coming. I do apologize. I know that there's a lag for me. I'm in the mountains. And so I'm definitely and I always joke that I'm on mountain time. But literally, that is what is happening here. But I do hear you. And hopefully you hear what I'm saying. Matt, we're going to play. We're going to play, obviously, uh, the video that started this whole thing between uh, Dr. Uh, Hoditz, uh, Joe Rogan and and RFK. Uh, But I would just want to get from your perspective. And, you know, so many people talk all the time about uh, anti-vax and all of that stuff. And I'm wondering how much of a different conversation you think we'd be having in terms of vaccines and all things related to healthcare if we had universal healthcare, Medicare for all in the United States versus the, the absolute abhorrent for-profit health system that we have now? I mean, honestly, I don't think it would make much of a difference on the whole coronavirus issue because, I mean, you, we know, you know, most of the European countries, most other, you know, developed countries, they have universal healthcare and they still are, are have the same, uh, controversies and issues and debates around the coronavirus vaccine because i mean it's a very uh you know unique thing that's happened in history i mean and and again it it's occurring in all the countries that have universal health care so i I really don't think that would make a difference fair enough Uh, yeah I i mean i've always been skeptical i was skeptical of it from the beginning i always questioned it i actually reject even calling the covid shot a vaccine um and the people that are talking about it like it is to me it's really words matter and so when it's something that really is more akin to a flu shot 
Um, and I'm all in favor if people want to go get their flu shots too, or whatever you want to get to make yourself safer. It's all good. But if it doesn't provide sterility, then you have no, there's no, I don't think any sort of justification for forcing anyone else or having an opinion on when anyone else does it, um, if it doesn't stop the spread. And we've known that for a long time, and yet they still keep promoting it. They're still pumped. Like, it's ridiculous at this point. And then the fact that there's still all these people that are just still, like, saying, like, oh, they didn't get their COVID, they're anti-vax or against COVID-vax. It's just very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I think the CDC, they changed the definition of vaccine in order to, you know, call it a vaccine. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And the WHO, they actually changed their definition of herd immunity to not include natural immunity, which is really freaky. Um, yeah. I think Do we trust them? Does anyone trust them? No, well, I mean, yeah, but we're supposed to unquestioningly, and that's the big, big problem. <clears throat> yeah, the big pro well, the big issue that I have, of course, is the fact that we do have a for-profit health system, and people rightfully want to question the motivation when everyone says everyone has to get this vaccine, everyone has to get it twice, everyone has to get boosted, everyone should be boosted, and then when you realize how much money's involved in this process. It's it's staggering. And I again, I just don't think people really can wrap their minds around just how much money we're talking about here. We're talking about tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars and all for the purpose of continuing this idea that there are no other options, that living a healthy life doesn't make a difference, that you must get the shot. Mm. To me, uh, exercise, eat right sleep, all those things. Now, for anybody who had a pre-existing condition, you know, the most deadly killer of for COVID was diabetes. Like if you have that, you should absolutely get the vaccine. I mean, I got the vaccine and I know most people probably did, but this idea that this is something that just needs to go on and on and on. It's like people can't wrap their heads around the idea that maybe because we have a for-profit health system, that this is why the perpetuation of this issue is just not going to go away. And there are many reasons why we see so many, as has been pointed out in the chat, a resurgence in different types of diseases that seemingly were eradicated. And they think that, well, you know, if you just go out and get a shot, that's, that's not what's going to solve the problem here. You know, we're, we're an extremely unhealthy culture. And, and, I, and the fact that that doesn't want to be discussed to me is what's really disturbing as far as I can see. Yeah. And, and one of the unhealthy things about the culture is, yeah, we, we can't even have conversations, friendly conversations. And I want to just uh, say, and I appreciate you give, saying, you know, the whole uh, Hotez Rogan RFK thing is because of my video, but I really can't take credit for that. I mean, just at, by chance, uh, Rogan had RFK on and afterwards, uh, Hotez, you know, just, I just shit all over Rogan and RFK and said, Spotify has, has stopped even sort of trying to stem Joe Rogan's vaccine misinformation. It's just awful. <laughs> and, and, and from all the online attacks I'm receiving after this absurd podcast, it's clear many actually believe this nonsense. Okay. Sure, you can call stuff nonsense. Yeah, you can do all these ad hominem. You're free to ad hominem attack everybody. But he, so he started, he's attacking the character of Rogan and RFK. And he, but he won't back it up. Like, that's just nuts. And anyway, like, 
I guess Rogan saw the the video I did, and he kind of used that to try it after Hotez wasn't responding to his offer to come on the debate. He's like, "Is this why?" Or you know, "Come on, defend yourself." Like, so. All right. Well, without without further ado, let's let's play it because this is again, this is something that is now probably been seen millions of times. Because can I just please say how ridiculous it is to me that this is even able to be made like this. These people are just not serious people. And the, this is something like would almost be like the onion meets schoolhouse rock. And it's mm-hmm. like just so ridiculous to me that this person is actually real. I'm just saying, OK, thank yeah. I just had to say that for a second. One of the things that we're not hearing a lot about is the unique potential safety problem of coronavirus vaccines. And then <laughs> something changed. Any vaccine released by emergency use authorization by the FDA is an outstanding uh, vaccine. J&J's vaccine has a risk of life-threatening blood clots. When you hear the beep, that's the sound of safety. So don't overthink it. Uh, they're they're both really good. Vac- they're all really good vaccines. Get vaccinated now. You've got to call now. If you wait, uh, it's going to be really too late to protect your child. If this was your child, what happens next could make it the worst day of your life. So even though COVID poses zero threat to healthy children. Vaccinate your children. Do the right thing. Be safe and not sorry. I'm strongly recommending for adolescents to get their two doses of vaccine and fully immunized after those two doses. Advanced technology that can help save lives. This is going to be a long-lasting vaccine. A long-lasting vaccine. A few moments later. We're seeing that two doses is not holding up well for emergency room visits. It's not holding up well for hospitalizations. Everyone's going to need a booster. You need that third immunization. Triple the amount. Get that third immunization. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three-dose vaccine. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three-dose vaccine. I've always said this is a three-dose vaccine. I've always said this is a three-dose vaccine. This is a three-dose vaccine. But I'm not done yet. That third immunization. The problem is it's not holding up. So we may have to look at sort of innovative solutions. Oh God, not this again. A fourth immunization, oh just just to keep them to keep them going, to keep the country uh, going. We have to consider some out of the box things. A fourth immunization, fourth, a fourth immunization. Get that second boost, a second boost to keep the country uh, going. I've made that recommendation. A fourth immunization, but I'm still not done. One semester later, unfortunately, the numbers are starting to trend up again. So the hospitalizations are up, and so the most important message that I have this morning is get your new bivalent booster. Uh, Willie and Lise were saying they got their booster and I was like, oh, I need to get mine. And then I found out they, they're talking about the third shot. Mm-hmm. And is that the bivalent or is it the fourth booster or does it matter? Like, uh, Don't worry so much about the number. of. There's no wrong way to use it. You have to get it. This new bivalent booster. You can double or triple stack them. The new bivalent one is is doing a much better job. You, you have, have to get, get a booster. Yeah. You need to get this new bivalent booster. That bivalent booster for COVID. But does everyone ages 12 and older need a booster? The answer is yes. Yes. And by the way, if you're over 50 and have gotten two boosters and more than four, two, or th- two to four months out, you're going to need a third booster as well, a fifth immunization. Five! I don't think we're going to need an annual booster like flu. Eventually. Dr. Hotez supports yearly boosters just like flu. But I'm still not done. It looks as though the boosters are not holding up quite as well as we'd like. Um, and, and, and I think 
our think thinking is going to change and that what's going to happen is every you know few months we may need another booster uh, uh, uh. perfect results each and every time you know we just could not overcome that massive disinformation campaign these fake concepts of herd immunity and discrediting masks dr hotez you are a national treasure it is picking off young people like we've never seen dr peter hotez that was extremely no. informative disinformation that you're hearing that kids are fine it's nonsense kids need to get that vaccination. You healthcare workers have been our saviors. Watch out for that misinformation. Dr. Peter Hotez is probably one of the smartest people on this topic. If you haven't gotten your five and ups vaccinated yet, now's the time to do that. Dr. Peter Hotez, thank you for saving the world. We also support giving the world. 17 year olds. People have to feel safe. Dr. Hotez, you are a voice of reason. Take down the fake information. These fake concepts of herd immunity. Our last hope is to vaccinate our way through this. Make certain that everybody's vaccinated, including their kids. That's the single yeah. most important thing right now the American people have to do. Dr. Peter Hotez was the person that we like to go to uh, for the sort of expertise. The single most impactful thing you can do is make certain that you're fully boosted and preferably too boosted. Later. Monkeypox is a global emergency. And it's accelerating uh, among a specific social network of, of men who have sex with men, not because it's sexually transmitted. Monkeypox is sexually transmitted almost exclusively. Before we let you go, we have to stop and applaud you because I, a lot of MSNBC viewers who have watched you constantly for the last three years or so and, and have come to trust you. I don't know if they fully appreciate what you have done. There you go. That's the expert. That's the vaccine expert. That's on every channel and being praised by every channel, including Fox um, and and TMZ. He went on TMZ. So he's li like uh, Trevor Noah, Comedy Central, every freaking corporate media outlet. He's the face of, you know, vaccine expertise. And it's just funny. You know, he's a vaccine expert but he's refusing to share his expertise to the Joe Rogan audience, which is the largest audience in the world, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I just certainly the largest podcast audience and he gets a bigger audience than um, any of the cable news. So, man, I mean, if, if people are, um, you know, dying because they're getting the wrong information, why would you not do everything you can to re reach everyone to share that information? And so, <laughs> do you are you asking or is that rhetorical? Because I, I have rhetorical. some ideas. Rhetorical, but if you sure go, what do you think? I think he's a paid for shill by big pharma. That's what I think, and I think that his job is to promote the vaccine. That's his job. That is his job. Um, I mean, well, that's certainly why. Well, he's getting government money. For his research and certainly yeah that's why the networks want him on because i think 75 percent of their advertising comes from big pharma something crazy like that's that. who they probably have they, to have that's on. the that's probably who is allocated when they say we're having a discussion of this that's who they're able to have on that's the voice that's allocated to them yeah uh i i would definitely say that the biggest issue here which has always been my biggest issue regardless of what anybody else thinks about rfk or about dr hotez is the fact that you cannot in any way promote anything that isn't vaccine related vaccine adjacent i would never hear him or anybody else talking about the need to live a healthy life and that a healthy immune system mm -hmm is the key to dealing with this virus. 
I had COVID. I had it multiple times. And I had, uh, of the two times that I know that I had it, I was asymptomatic. And the other time I had a light cough at worst. And I, I live a very healthy life. The people in either my family or friends circle, and I've had several that have died from the virus, universally, there was no exception. The people who died were generally of a certain age, of a certain type of health, or had a pretty nasty pre-existing condition. It was all universal in that regard. There were no exceptions. And so the idea that we can't have the conversation that we're an extremely unhealthy culture, mm. that we subsidize every single type of fast food under the, under, the, under the sky. There is nothing that will not get some type of a corporate subsidy, a government handout to continue this charade of it doesn't matter if you have high blood pressure, if you have diabetes, if you're obese, just get the shot and that'll save you. And that's the thing that's not getting covered. That's the thing that's not getting talked about to me is the is the biggest red flag of the whole circumstance. And so while I have no issue with the vaccine itself, what I have the issue with here is this adherence to the vaccine and nothing else. And that's the thing that never seems to get talked about. That's the thing to me that's the scariest part. And the fact that he does these interviews in his lab coat to me is that it, it, yeah. that that's that's very that that's real like 1984 type propaganda type stuff, because having him in the in the in the in the in the doctor's lab coat is supposed to put people in the audience at ease. It's supposed to tell them, trust me and no one else. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's not to say what he's saying doesn't merit truth. The problem, of course, is that he believes that what he's saying is the only truth. And that's the scariest part about this, as far as I can see. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, it's, it's, it's just flat not true. I mean, the idea that, you know, this the virus posed a, a risk to kids is it's just not true. The data doesn't hold that up now. You can say, well, yeah, some kids have died, yeah, but as you pointed out, you know, the majority are for older and have health issues. And <laughs> let me just give an example, like, uh, so one clip from an NBC expert doctor that I pulled. So she made the argument. She actually made the argument that we need to vaccinate a million kids forever to save one kid's life. Now, and she actually acknowledged, she said this admittingly, admitting that they don't know the long-term consequences. So, like, how can you, like, understand you don't know the long-term consequences and say, let's vaccinate a million kids not knowing the long-term consequences to save one kid? Like, that just doesn't, like, okay, it, it, yes, of course you want to save the kid. But you might hurt more kids in the process. It's so obvious, and I don't pretend to know uh, the you know what what's best. But the, there was no debate allowed. And if you just ask obvious questions, like is it really worth? Could the vaccine be doing more harm than good, especially in the younger population? You're called anti-vax, and 
uh, anti-science. You know, it it was it was just us. And you were specifically talking about the COVID shot. Right. Like there are certain people when they're referring to RFK that are talking about prior stances he has taken on vaccines um, with the out apparently outdated the this, this study that would link vaccines to autism and stuff that we now know isn't really true. And and so and I really have yeah. not dug into that, but that is different. And yet and yet people even knowing that he did that, it's still it, I, I understand Let's talk about other things now. It's I'm not saying I agree with it. I can just say that there's other issues to me that are more important in this decision than him not supporting vaccines. So yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I'm. I think your audience may correct me if I'm wrong, but like some Bernie supporters, like, is that the kind of dem- demographic or no? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, here. So okay. So. Uh, what is odd to me is like how many people, you know, if you followed the Bernie Sanders campaign closely, like I did, you know, most of the fans uh, or supporters understood when you, when we watched the media, we knew it was, you know, a hitch up. And it was, it was so many smear pieces, just transparently smear pieces. But for some reason we don't, or at least many people, so many people don't recognize that that's exactly what they're doing to RFK. They're just to- trying to discredit him with smear pieces. Now, hey, if they're going to do, if if someone does a comprehensive uh, article or thread or television, even cable, you know, news segment that's actually thoroughly debunking his claims, that's good. But they're not doing that. We're not seeing them do that. Even even um uh one instance where he went on ABC, I believe it was. They had a sit-down interview, and at the very end, they just said he. We cut out a significant portion of his response because it was misinformation. Just trust us; it was misinformation. It's like, come on, like you're you're doing everybody a disservice. If he did get something wrong, debunk it so people can. So you're actually informing people instead of just smearing people and propagandizing people. Yeah the, fear, yeah, yeah, the fear that I think a lot of people have is that Rogan has a tremendously large platform and he's very opinionated based on whoever comes on his show. He's He has like uh, an inclined opinion to go along with his guests to some degree. And so there are always going to be people that are going to come on there and that are going to have a differing of opinion. Look, there is there is a level of extremism. That well, you are, know he had Peter Hotez on previously, right? Did I did that? not know that. I, I so did not know that. Yeah. So, okay. so that, yeah. So he, so I'll just push back a little bit. He's actually a pretty open-minded guy and yeah, he had Peter Hotez on. Um, he did push back a little bit, um, but I mean, totally cordial conversation. I mean, he's, he's not, yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, maybe that's intimidates people, but I mean, he's actually a really nice guy uh, or, you know, he, he is on the podcast absolutely and even rfk no matter what you think of him he's he's a nice old man with a speech impediment that shouldn't be an intimidating uh debate you know opponent <laughs> like um so no i think the intimidation is that he knows he's wrong 
And that he knows that he sold a bunch of shit a bunch of times. And I Mm -hmm. think he knows that RFK sees that and will call him out. That's why. It isn't because he's scared of him personally. And as as Marquis Vegan points out, yeah, and then he goes and he makes comments like this, which is absolute lunacy. It's like, look. For sure. If there is, if the culture war is and always will be a distraction from the economic war because it's a great wedge that allows people to basically be put at odds with one another because there are those who feel one way about the trans issue, feel one way about the abortion issue, feel one way about the LGBTQ issue overall. And at the same time, what I've noticed a lot and I've noticed this particularly with your work. And I don't agree with everything that you put out there. But what I do agree with is when it becomes an economic issue, when it becomes this issue of whether we should have universal health care, whether it becomes this issue of whether or not we should have a living wage, whether it becomes this issue of whether or not we're in endless war and everyone knows it's for profit and nothing more. Those are the types of issues that bring the most amount of people together. And that's when the attacks are usually the strongest because they know that they can't have working class people of different stripes within the political spectrum coming together and saying, you know what, this actually makes a lot of sense. I always point out at the end of the last midterm election cycle, when we were out volunteering at the polls, one of the guys that struck me the most was this firefighter. And he was as progressive as you could possibly imagine in terms of his rhetoric, in terms of the policies that he supported. And when it was all said and done, he said, I love Trump and I love DeSantis. And you know what? There are a lot of people out there that think just like he does. They may not necessarily recognize their progressivism at the moment when they're saying what they're saying. But what I do recognize, and I wish more people would recognize as well, is that there are people that are out there that are going to disagree significantly when it comes to this issue of the vaccine. But when it comes to the issue of a living wage, universal health care, ending the wars, criminal justice reform, they're going to agree with you on a lot of that stuff. And that is the danger that the powers that be don't want any part of. There is no discussion right now amongst Rogan, Mark Cuban, RFK, Dr. Hotez. There is no discussion about universal health care. None. And if that was the conversation that was happening in the public square, a.k.a. Twitter, there's no telling how much of a boon that type of a conversation would be. Everyone's like, oh, did you believe in the vaccine or did you? Is this really do? How about debating whether or not we need for profit middlemen in between us and our doctors? That's the freaking conversation we need to be yeah. having. And I think, um, you know, obviously the war issue, RFK is very progressive on that. I mean, whatever, however you want to define it, progressive, libertarian, it falls under any either either category, but um, and and free speech as well like that. It's it's so crucial. Like, um, I mean, just imagine. So everyone who's like afraid of RFK, like, oh, God, he's he says all these horrible things. It's like he's for free speech. He's for open expression, debate, free expression, debate like you're going to have your chance to dispute him and debunk him. We don't we're not having like it can't be more clear that the intention of his opponents and the people in power now and the Biden administration in particular uh, are they're really they their take on speech is tyrannical. They think people yeah. should be censored just for disagreeing with with them and yeah. the science or the authority, whatever they want to call it. 
and I and um, I want to bring up a really great point and and something that I saw. Um, I think it was yesterday. We both saw this. Um, that that lunatic in in Houston that actually tracked down where Doctor Hotez lived and like got in his face at his own home and was like he wasn't threatening him. But it was clear that he was intimidating him. And all I'm thinking when I see something like that is congratulations, dickhead. What you've now done is given more credence to the comfortable liberal crowd of this country who are completely content with more censorship and more uh, sent from because because they look at this and say, you see how crazy these people are? Silence them. Stop them from what they're doing. They're crazy. They're questioning a doctor and this and that. And I'm thinking. You really ruin it for everybody by going well, down yeah. the path, as far as I can see. I agree. I mean, I well, here, I felt similarly. I thought it was actually uh, at first. I I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, he's he was totally cordial, nice, um, and asked and politely asked him if you know, shook his hand, politely asked him if he would debate Joe Rogan if he had given. Um, uh, Hotez says no. Um, and he's Hotez is smiling the whole time. Now, then he, um, you know, Hotez goes inside his, his gate. Um, the guy doesn't follow him. Uh, but he does, but he, he, or somebody that's with him behind him yells at Hotez. I mean, yeah, so that, that did make me cringe a little bit because I do know that it makes, um, it just, it's just, it's just not, yeah, it's, it's not. Nice. But at the same time, I think rather than like it, it's it's much, much worse. It's still so much worse, infinitely worse, really, I would argue that for people to to look at that and say that needs to be censored and people are going to do that. Now, one now I, I would encourage him maybe not to do that or, you know, uh, yell next time because, you know, it, it makes them makes them look bad. It makes and it makes the large effort to to want to see this nice peaceful debate makes it look bad right um but of course he doesn't represent everyone but nevertheless you right we know the media will take it and use it to, to misrepresent uh joe rogan and his entire audience um uh, <clears throat> but and, and also i uh, yeah he, he actually oh I, I, here's another interesting detail so i saw hotez he actually took a, a photo a selfie uh once he went inside his house and he was smiling, you know, just talking about the anti-vaxxers that bothered him out in front of out in front of his house. And he just joked like, yeah, well, you know, they, I was people recorded me out in front of my house. I guess it's out now. You know, I support the Texas whatever sports team. And he's smiling and, you know, it, it, he totally handled that well. I mean, you know, you don't like the ad hominem attacks, <laughs> but uh, but the people yelling at him probably did, too. Anyway, uh, I just want to stress that. I don't, I, Peter Hotez is going to be fine. Like, yeah, yelling is unnecessary. It it makes like movements look bad, but uh, I, it's like on the grand scheme of things, it is, you know, you got to allow people to do that. He didn't break the law or anything. You can't. Uh, it, so we really got to keep things in perspective. I think that it is insane to be calling for censorship because of that. Yeah. I'd like to take a, a, an opportunity for a teaching moment here, but we're going to have to go back to this. We're going to have to go back to this. Why are you talking? What's oh, very funny, Mario? All right. We need to go back to this. Okay. 
because this is a very teachable moment about nuance that I would like to point out that I think is very important, okay? So I can simultaneously think that that opinion that toxic water causes transgenderism is absurd, and I can simultaneously support the fact that RFK Jr. might be the best person to fight for clean water, given that he has a pretty good, solid history of environmental law and activism. So here's my thought. If I meet someone who's willing to fight for clean water because they think that it's causing transgenderism, I don't really care that they think that. They're fighting for clean water. They can think it's whatever they want. They're still fighting for clean water. You see, that's nuance. So I just, and, I felt the yeah. need to point out that comment. And I mean, I think also, was there there was a study that did show that water, I don't know where, but right, what, something, chemicals in the water did uh, change the sex of the frogs, correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, so I mean, the, yeah. now, now granted, uh, it was ast ast astrocene, I think. I can't remember the name of the uh, the chemical, but uh, look, it's. I look at it this way. It's like the chemical Roundup, which has absolutely no business whatsoever being sprayed on our, uh, you know, on our crops. But of course, the reason we do it is because big agriculture wants to make as much money as humanly possible. There is no cap in terms of what they can and cannot get. And also the fact we live in a country today where people think that they can just get, you know, fresh strawberries out of season if they want it. And so, you know, there is these exceptions that need to be made for the on-demand, you know, community. That's why I always recommend if you have a local farmer's market, always buy your, you know, fruits and vegetables there. It's your best bet. Unfortunately, we are living in a country and, you know, you want to say we're being poisoned to some degree. I don't think it's that far-fetched to suggest that there are things that are deliberately done to us that make us more unhealthy. It's not just the fast food. It's a lot of things. It's this, you know, instant oatmeal type of, you know, food consumption economy that we live in today. I mean, I do everything in my capacity to do food prep, to eat healthy and cook and things like that. But it's still hard. It still takes time. And very few people have that luxury. So it's easy to see why they would be overly concerned. And everyone's like, oh, you're just a, you know, you're paranoid, you're a conspiracy theorist and all that stuff. And then it, it does get taken to the extreme with people like Alex Jones, who prey on those vulnerable minds that are, you know, overly concerned about every single thing left and right. But one thing that I, I did want to touch on, you know, you've been making videos for a very long time. And I think we would be amiss to not bring up the fact that you have done a lot of videos basically highlighting the way that corporate media is able to sort of propagandize, mass manipulate a lot of people, basically taking one message that comes from one side, the other message goes to the other side, and all the while it's like converting people into this drone-like mentality. Where did you decide to start doing that? And do you find that there were certain videos that really stood out above the rest? And what type of feedback have you been getting from people that have observed them over the past few years? Thanks uh, for that question. And also, how's my audio now? Is it better? Solid. Is it better? All right. So that's better, right? I, okay. So thanks for the comment. Whoever said that in the comments, I wouldn't have known otherwise. So appreciate it. Um, okay. So, well, I, I think what I try to do in uh, some of my videos, obviously I do all kinds of stuff, but one of the successful formulas lately is, yeah, just, just showing clips of how the media 
really propagandizes people and they do that with repetition and they do it with villainization. And I think one good example is uh, the one I did before the Hotez, which I called Nobody is Safe. And it just shows how the media, I mean, they literally at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, they literally had the message that nobody is safe until everybody is safe. That is an extreme message, especially when you know, nine, over 99% of the population was going to survive it just fine. Um, and you asked, well, uh, the reason I do it the way I do, and, j- you know, I just think showing is much more effective than telling, if you can show. And the medium of video and film, like, you can do that. You can just show. If you're just writing, obviously, you can't do that. Um, so... Anyway, that's I, I did you I maybe I missed part part of the, the question. I, did I? No. Okay. Well, I'll say um yeah, I'm happy to answer any other questions. And also uh you you did say like you don't agree with everything I do, and I'm like, hey, like maybe this this is a good opportunity to do that that whole uh, nuanced uh, debate thing. Well, I'm not. I don't know that, and 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 we always have to be very clear. And I say huh. it sometimes on the show that uh, Peter Hager does not speak for me. Like the opinions of him are not me. Like huh. we're not the same person, even though he is me on social media. So guys, when he does put out stuff, that is him. Um, but yeah, we don't agree on everything. He and I are pretty consistent on most big issues, and I really don't know. What I did see of you is that you did a nice piece about the Bernie blackout, um, and and that I yeah. really appreciate a lot. And yes. that was back in twenty, yep. so I'm not you know I'm not seeing too much controversy there. So I don't know like what are your issues, Matt? Mm-hmm. Are you are what, you what are you who do you hate that that I have to huh. you know defend against? <laughs> huh. Um, I I don't I I really try not to hate <laughs> hate. I try not to hate. Good. Uh, see, you that, get that's along. What, yeah, that's what gets us into the the trap where we're we're because once you hate somebody, then you become intolerant, so intolerant that you will not listen to them, so intolerant that you think they don't even deserve a voice. Which is, and the Democratic Party is becoming very intolerant like that, even more intolerant. I mean, extremely intolerant. And that's, and I say this as a Democrat. I was bo- you know born in D.C., so naturally I became a Democrat. I. I'm a, I was raised Democrat and I don't identify as any political, I identify as independent because I, I want to look at things like issue by issue. Um, Cause I feel like if you, if you identify with one side automatically, it almost um, sets you up to, to be, you know, to favor one argument or the other a little bit, at least maybe subconsciously. I, anyway, that's just my, my. Uh, yeah. Thought. I actually lately have gotten to where I'm, um, you know, people will say, well, are you a socialist? Are you a are you a communist? And I'm not an ist. I have no ism. And and I actually that is I am very strong about that. I have no ism and I don't fit into a box. And the only reason that I'm registered as a Democrat is that in Broward County, it's the only way to have any effectiveness and participate in electoral politics. It is what it is. But it is not because of ideology. Okay, it's that I'm I'm more likely to find people in the Democratic Party that agree with me on more things than I would in the Republican Party. But I'm not an ist and I'm not in like I just I, I think that we're so into labeling and we're so into putting people in boxes and on teams. And it is such a part of the problem. And I have this I like we keep talking about having multiple parties. I like this idea of having no parties. 
I want somebody to explain to me why we need parties at all. Because to me, there are plenty of issues in which when we can either have ballot initiatives or some sort of democratic vote on issues, we can all just get along fine, actually. We really do. I mean, we passed a $15 minimum wage in Florida, the same election that Donald Trump won Florida. So my point is when we vote on issues, we can actually be somewhat effective and the parties ruin everything. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree. Like, just look at the individual and the, and their issues. Um, parties really not yeah. that important. And, and even though Democrats and Republicans, you know, they've proven over and over again how much they suck. You know, one of them could be good. You know, could be good. You um, you can't generalize too much. Uh, and and the reason and I I mean I I sincerely was am totally uh, inch. In, interested in uh, discussing anything you think we disagree on. Yeah, that, usually Peter, that's, that's what is it? Yeah. Peter, so, what's your beef? I, I wanna, Wait, so, before you I, go, before you go and get started, I have one question, okay? Matt, are you a millennial or are you a Gen Z or what, 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 what is your, how do you identify? Uh, well, I don't, but I guess technically, according to the definitions, I, I, I guess I'm a millennial. Okay. I just want to know what your, fr- like what gender, I don't want to say what's your age, but I want to know like, what's yeah. your frame of mind before you engage with yeah. him. So yeah. it's just interesting to me. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Now I actually have a, a very important question because I do think that this is going to tell a lot about, you know, what's going to happen as we, uh, you know, go this, this election cycle is going to be so unbelievably nauseating like jen and i have already discussed it we're not even going to be really talking about it because it's just at the presidential level it's just going to be so unbelievably bad but what i would like to know from you uh, personally is how do you see if there's a desperate moment if there ever was one to start to look outside of the two-party system which it looks like is happening as we speak how do you see Dr. Cornell West's run evolving over the next year. Do you see him creating enough momentum where he's going to start to pull in a significant amount of money, hence a actual infrastructure that could potentially tip the scales in swing states? And henceforth, the Democratic Party is going to have no choice but to come to where he's at and where the Green Party voters are at. Do you see that happening in any capacity over the next year? Well, I don't think the Democrats are, they're not going to have to do anything. They don't feel like they have to do anything. Um, And I don't think they are going to do anything. Uh, Maybe some lip service. I mean, Joe Biden did that, right? I mean, some of the things he said, a Green Party person could have said, he didn't actually mean it, obviously. Didn't follow through on any of it. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not great at predictions. I, I know if I make predictions, I'm going to be wrong some of the time, so I try not to do it. But um, I mean, I think it's good uh, for him to run. I, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised to see um, someone within the Democratic Party that's not like a cookie cutter, you know, cutout like RFK. Uh, one thing I think that would be interesting is so if RFK does lose the primary and obviously the establishment is is doing everything they can to stop him i i think if he ran independent he would really have a a, a, ch- a chance um because again like Trump and Biden we know they were the least popular least liked candidates of all time 
and they're they're even less liked now. <laughs> so, um, and RFK does obviously have an appeal to to both uh, Democrats and Republicans, and obviously independents, which is the biggest voting block. So, I, I would like to see, like you were saying, Jen, uh, just somebody run without a party. I think there's a real opportunity to do that. He has a real opportunity to do that. Well, and he actually was polling like fourth amongst Republicans uh, in the list of the people in their primary. He was polling. I mean, look, I mean, Chris Christie was in negative digits and there were some people that were way down wow, there. Negative. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, what was that poll, Peter? Do you remember that? It was like last yeah, week. It's was like a YouGov poll or something like that. But they the point would... is, is that Kennedy was the only non-Republican that was on the list. It was Nikki Haley, DeSantis. It was all of them. And RFK was their number four. So when and when you say like there's room for him to be as an independent, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. And like in my mind, like I could even I could see a lot of very cool scenarios. You know, I mean, like right now for me, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a supporter of Cornell West and it would be regardless of, you know, party. I just like him. Uh, but the fact that he's now running in a party with an actual infrastructure to me makes the mission uh, you know, viable in a sense of I think he can pull the five percent. I think he can. And I think that that could be a really good moment. And we'll see what kind of campaign the Green Party can put on for him. But the Democratic Party is a wash. Like, I, I honestly, I, I am much more interested in what happens on the Republican side. It'll be way more entertaining to watch. Um, but the Democratic side, I honestly don't think it matters who wins. Well, that's why Trump does well, because he is entertaining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and and I and I think RFK is is way obviously way more entertaining than Biden because he's actually like you know co- coherent even with the speech impediment, <laughs> like yes. and and, yeah. and he's actually and he's passionate. I mean, and he'll say stuff that other people are afraid to say, and the, although they shouldn't be afraid to say, like you know he will pardon Assange and Snowden on day one. Exactly, that was a big deal for me, and I've said it before. Like if I was forced to vote in a Democratic primary right now. I am a registered Democrat. That will be my primary. If I had to vote in it right now, I would vote for RFK. And a big part of that is he already said he would uh, pardon whistleblowers, specifically Assange. That's such a big thing. It's so huge. It's It's huge. huge. It's huge. And that and that and his stance with environmental issues, those are two things that I would vote for that just that because that is those are good reasons when the other person Mm -hmm. is not offering that. Yeah, and and Trump isn't offering that, even yeah. though the Republicans claim to be, you know, m- more um, serious about the First Amendment. Well, you're they're the number one candidate is is totally anti First Amendment in that sense, and then in the, that's the sense that his own administration uh, is the one that is the first to prosecute somebody for publishing true information, which is an incredibly dangerous precedent. We but. And yet, when you hear the Democrats attacking Trump, they never attack him on that, which is really, I think, perhaps the the biggest, the worst thing his administration did. Um, well, a lot, well, a lot of the people that were anti-Trump from the very beginning 
where people like the Jennifer Rubens and the Bill Crystals and the Rick Wilsons of the world that, you know, Nicole Wallace's of the world, that were all hold, holdovers from the Bush, Cheney, neocon faction of the Republican Party. And yet no one talks about the fact that the neoliberal wing, which is really the apparatus of the Democratic Party, welcomed them in with open arms. And now the whole party itself has basically become a mouthpiece for the military industrial complex, which is why this whole conversation about, I mean, listen, like I said, my position on RFK is very simple. I think there are things that he is absolutely too extreme on, particularly his stance on universal health care, uh, his stance on Israel. Uh, there are a number of issues that are just there that are just, you know, it's it's a bridge too far as far as I'm concerned. However, that doesn't detract from the fact that he has been the most vocal about pardoning Julian Assange and recognizing that our constitutional rights are disintegrating every freaking day. Like we really, you even said, Jen, that when we allowed for um, the Patriot Act to pass, all those years ago, that was the end of amendments four, five, and six. And mm. so today mm. we're yeah. basically seeing the disintegration of the First Amendment. And it's like we're just standing idly by, pretending like it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, and, and this, and, and, and I could see a lot of people in the chat are bringing up Marianne. Listen, here's all you need to know uh, one candidate has a real financial infrastructure and the other doesn't. And apparently today, Marianne had a, or whatever the case is, uh, her second campaign manager over the course of a month and change has now been either let go or fired. And that's not good. It's not good. As no, Trump she said. doesn't have, the bottom line is people, she won't be, she can't raise money like he'll be able to raise. She just can't. Yeah. And so, that's, and so that's it is what it is. Yeah. If you, regardless of what the numbers are saying, you have to have a real infrastructure on the ground in order to do this. And that, of course, is my biggest concern. Jen, I'm sure it's probably yours as well. Biggest concern regarding Cornell West is whether or not he's actually going to mount some type of a fundraising, small dollar fundraising machine, somewhat akin to what Bernie was able to accomplish when he ran. Uh, that obviously remains to be seen, but that's going to determine whether or not he's a legitimate contender to at least be a threat in some capacity versus basically just running to get a message out there that a lot that resonates with a lot of people, but isn't necessarily going to translate into a lot of votes a year and a, you know a year and change from now, a year and a half from now. So, to me, I think we've got a lot more that we agree on than we disagree on. I wish there were more people. Well, would, you, would you say like what it was? Because I think Matt and I want to know, like you think you've got I, it's almost sounded like you knew you had something in particular. No, it's, it's not. It's not anything significant. It's just, you know, you, you get you get the messages constantly like our friend, like we're friends with the Cavernacle, who's a you probably know who he is. He's a, you know, a noted content creator over in the UK and he doesn't like you for one reason oh. or another. And he, you know, is is like lem, you know, he's not lambasting us because again, Jen, you you like to bring this up about how you know you've been able over the course of a few years to basically establish a reputation where you don't have to explain yourself every time you have a take, let's say, that everyone doesn't necessarily agree with, and it doesn't become this whole throw the baby out with the bathwater type situation. Does he yeah. say what what he what he disagrees with? Yeah, I'll read it. Uh, give me a second. Um, Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just doing this for 
for the audience entertainment. And also, I like here. Legit, no, I, I want to know. I like, um, you know, having d- discussions to figure out like what's like if I messed up or if I'm right about something, then I get to inform, you know, help someone. Where are you based, Matt? Uh, I'm in DC. Still? Okay. Okay. I so should probably move because. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, so, yeah, you got a big target on your back now. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, so what the Cavernacle said, and this is just on the thread for the live stream for tonight. Not sure why you're platforming this guy or his work. Transphobic, anti-vax, and racist. Only credit his, he worked for Bernie's campaign. Look at his timeline for about five minutes. I mean, it's your show, do what you want, but doesn't seem like a progressive ally in any way. So it's like, who well, put that out? Where well, that let out? me say, hold on, Peter. Like he, like how is there? There's nothing to that. Like those are just ads. Yeah, that's the, well, that's and I agree. And I agree with you because it becomes this whole. Well, I don't like what this guy said, so that automatically makes him this, that, and the other thing. Well, he thinking, can't even explain what he doesn't like. He's yeah. just. I mean, he's You're totally, wait, wait, wait. Did you say the tabernacle said that about Matt? Yeah. Okay, he's so like, that you know he sounds like Neera Tandon. I mean. That's what Neera Tandon did. I mean, like she just. Are you a mirrors. homophobe? Are you a homophobe? No, Matt? I'm not transphobe. I'm not transphobe either. Okay. I I met I met uh, and I'm not racist and whatever the hell else that did I what I don't know what he's anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax either. This um, reminds me of when people Peter were all are always saying that Vosh is anti-trans, and I've never seen that any indication of it in anything. But yet there's this whole bunch of people that keep saying that. And yet nobody can explain to me why. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, the only time I think I covered uh, trans issues, I mean, most people got to, co- you know, talk about it. Like, I don't think I need to really add to that co- conversation. Right. I'm happy to, to discuss it. Like, but um, I, so I made one video where that featured a transgender woman, trans woman, and she uh, it was the leader of the Netflix walkout that was protesting Dave Chappelle's um, ha- latest comedy special at the time on Netflix. And uh, you guys might recall it was, you know, it stirred up some controversy among the trans community because he did make some trans jokes. But the thing is, he made jokes about literally every demographic you could think of and i obviously he did that intentionally and that yeah good for him that was that's um clever like equal opportunity you know offense offensiveness <laughs> um and comedy jokes on it about everybody everyone should be able to you should be able to laugh about everyone yes. everyone should be able to laugh about, about themselves um but you don't have to and you don't feel that way okay but she what she did is she led this march uh attacking Netflix for for letting uh, Chappelle do that special. And all I did was I literally just, I didn't say anything about her, but I did um, have some tweets that she had said previously, read by, you know, like a robot voice, just her own quotes. And I just intercut her own quotes, which were trans... Um, some homophobics <laughs> and uh, bigoted. And all these and racist, uh, you know, anti-Asian, whatever. And and now here's the thing: like, I'm not, I don't pretend to like judge how she really feels, but like, but according to her own standards, you know, her own goddamn speech was racist, homophobic, and all the above. And so I'm like, who are you to lecture other people? Like, it, it's just, you know, 
Chappelle can make jokes. That doesn't mean he hates trans people. You made jokes about Asians or whatever. I mean, should we all just assume you you're a racist too? I mean, it's just absurd. Um, and so that's could, that's really all I did. That is all I did. Um, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I wish we could bring back Don Rickles. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that's so not my vibe. No, that's a uh, like <laughs> humor. It's so not. Funny. It's women don't find that funny. I find it hysterical, but that's yeah. I well, find you. It stupid. Well, I mean, what? Why wouldn't women find it funny? I mean, he can make fun of men just as much. And he it did he made fun of literally fun. everybody. Like just. Okay. It isn't mercilessly. Now, Dave Chappelle is brilliant. I'll watch him any day. I'll, like Dave Chappelle is great. Um, I have no problem with him. And I, I'm, so what I'm getting from this is the gist is you pissed somebody off because you are not um, into censorship and you were supportive of Dave Chappelle saying whatever he wants. Because I am. Yeah. And I, I remember it then. That whole thing pissed me off to no end. You don't censor comedy. You don't yeah. censor comedy. You don't like it. You don't watch it. Go change the channel. You don't censor comedy. It's the yeah. same thing as censoring journalists. It's like you just don't do it. And um, I, did, and I yeah. didn't at attack this person. I yeah. really just used her own words. Can I, and I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I didn't say one this is a terrible person. Y'all should hate her. I said, right. look, this is fucking funny. Yeah. Now, now, one thing, now, one thing that you did do that I, I absolutely would have come to your defense on had we been in communication at the time, but you had made that video where you basically were, this was basically like an early version of, of, of some form of AI where you were able to mm -hmm. reconfigure the words of Dr. Martin Luther King and people absolutely lost their minds over it. But you were basically showing them that you don't understand. People really can... They, if you think that this is not going to happen, like it, when you see, uh, wh what is that uh, stuff called? Like where they map the person's face. Um, I'm, I'm deep fake. Deep fake. Like you did the deep fake before anybody was doing the deep fake. And I'm thinking he's probably onto something here. Like people are going to start doing this and they're going to be saying that it's Tom Cruise or it's Joe Rogan and it's not really them. And they're going to be able to AI you know, chat GPT generate actual words that sound exactly like them saying it, but it's not really them. And the words that they're saying are not, they're not really saying it. And so I think that what you had done was completely taken out of context. And I think that that's probably the case here that whatever was done was being taken out of context, but that's the danger. You know, we always say, you know, people talk about the online left and the, the way that you, you don't want to get sucked into this endless spiral of people complaining about you and, and saying that you're terrible. And, and, and then all I'm thinking is, you know, I've experienced that personally, but then when you see these people in real life and it's happened a few times, oh, that tune is a hell of a lot different when you're dealing with people in person than when you're dealing with them online. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just want to thank you, Peter, for actually being one of the people that actually um, looks up, you know, like, what is the source of these smears? And yeah, that was the source of the racist smear that I was attacked with from, from near Tan and tweeted out. So when uh, my Bernie Sanders, uh, one of my viral Bernie Sanders videos was getting attention and Sanders campaign expressed interest in me and he actually hired me, she tweets out that Matt Orfel makes racist videos like uh and and like which is insane like and people were saying oh look he like you said he cut um what i did was i cut martin luther king's i have a dream speech to be martin luther king's i have a wet dream speech 
it's okay if you're offended. But uh, I thought it was funny. I, I, you know, he, he so he's saying, I have a dream to have sex, to take drugs. And I did it by, um, you know, this is before AA, but I knew it was po- possible. I was working in reality TV and I was like seeing how people were editing these the characters on the shows. Like, oh my God, like this is, I can't believe they're doing this. And, uh, but so that's how I got the idea. And yeah, I mean, how do you open, yes, there's the comedy aspect, but also the thinking behind it is how do you show people how easily media is manipulated. Well, you could take a speech that everyone's familiar with. I think it's the most famous speech in America. I mean, and, and so you got it has to be something that everyone's familiar with. And then you just, to, you know, you alter it. So they're like, what the hell? It sounds so real. How is this possible? Well, that's editing. And now, you know, 15 years later, uh, AI can do it like that. And it is going to be a big problem. I was trying to warn people about it and it's a real problem now um so anyway yeah i mean thanks for thanks i really uh appreciate you just if looking up the source of these smears i think it's so pe- it's, it's so important for people to do that because so often it's it's just based on nothing, nothing. it's just total bullshit well um, I, I, I look back it's i look back at something as simple as what might have been during the 2020 election had elizabeth warren actually put the needs of the nation ahead of her own personal desires because it's pretty obvious to me that the angle that she was going for i mean listen i'm not in her shoes and what i also like to say to the people in the general audience when it comes to the decisions that are made, when it comes to domestic policy, and especially when it comes to foreign policy. If you think you're informed and you think you have any clue as to how these decisions are made, you don't have any clue. And you live in D.C. and you probably know that as well as anybody. There is what goes on inside the Pentagon, inside the White House, and inside the Capitol that the people on the outside that are not privy to Basic info, forget classified info. They will never in a million years. You are the public. If you know 5% of what the realities are of what really goes on, you're lucky you know that much. And so when Elizabeth Warren was coming out, making the statements that she was making about Bernie and recognizing that she was trying to play into that crowd, but in reality, she was probably just angling to get the VP slot and knowing full well that if Bernie had made her VP after Nevada, and had brought in Marianne Williamson, Andrew Yang, maybe even uh, Tulsi Gabbard, whoever, had decided to sort of round up the troops. I think that would have probably been enough. With Elizabeth Warren in the VP slot, uh, that probably would have been enough to get the job done. Whether he attempted to seize that moment or not, we'll never know. But what I do know is that her actions were so despicable that they still don't get enough attention to this day. And knowing the nuance of what she was actually doing and following what she was doing, making those statements saying, Bernie uh, said I couldn't be pregnant, or this or that. And all I'm thinking is, this is where it's important to recognize what's being said here for what purpose it's being said. If you're putting something out there that somebody may be misinterpreting or not fully understanding, to immediately jump to the conclusion that you're a nefarious uh, operator, like I said, I, even if I don't agree with you 100%, I don't see you as a nefarious operator. You're taking the, the actual words of what somebody is saying on corporate media 
and putting it together and saying, yeah. this is what people are actually saying. They want to call you names. They want to do all this stuff. And by the way, if anybody is ever taking advice from Mira effing Tandon, you've already lost the plot. Who would do that? Who? Okay, so this is the thing, Matt. Like, as somebody who has been subject to ridiculous smears and commentary, I don't believe anything about anybody if I don't know them and haven't discussed it. And I take everything like with a grain of salt and always look for the context because I context know is key, yeah. it's, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. And sometimes there is things there. And more often than not, when it's this kind of online bullshit, it, there is no there there. So I, I have realized that so many times, and that's why I am, I am very hesitant to ever believe. Meanwhile, though, there's this whole world of people out there that hate me for all sorts of that kind of stuff, like stuff that so-and-so said such and such, like that kind of ridiculous nonsense. And so I totally get it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's, it's something that I, I really hope people are able to like, wise up to it and the you know the trouble is like they they can they notice it when it's somebody they like they're like they they'll they know oh he's a nice guy so they'll look up and you know um debunk the smear but it's just we just want to like if we already hate someone or we're told yeah. prime to not like somebody for whatever reason because they're from another the other side or whatever yeah. um it, you know we just we want to we just kind of go along with it and we gotta, we can't let ourselves do that. We gotta no. be a little more mindful. It's ovine. Okay, people. It's ovine. What is that? What really is that the Forrest word? Better. What? What does ovine mean? Are you serious, Matt? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly really, don't know. All of you, do you guys know what bovine is? No. Oh my God. Okay, bovine is cow and ovine are oh. sheep. And it's sort of like equine or horses and ursines okay. or bears. They're like the things, but like, so- I'm in me, DC. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all right, I, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm, I, I did really well on the verbal SAT. I had to compensate. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. The under 400 on the math side. So I had to like balance it out so wow. that I didn't- yeah, see I was a math guy myself. and I was not the, the verbal math guy. <laughs> I was going to swim for myself. No, the math side was so bad. So if I didn't have something, I wasn't looking good. So Matt, Matt, before you go, uh, we just would like to know, uh, obviously you're really good at putting these videos together. You've done an amazing job, regardless of whether people agree with your content or not. I think you do an exceptional job. It takes a lot of time and a lot of endless hours burning that midnight oil to find the clips, splice this language together. So kudos to you for doing your part to get the message out there that corporate special interests is what runs our government. It's what runs our country. And the fifth, the fourth estate, which is our corporate media, parrots those talking points. We've seen that with Sinclair Media uh, when it comes to conservative talking points. But let's be honest, it's everywhere. It's all about corporate power. And you've done an excellent job of covering that. Uh, do you think you would be able to potentially put a video together of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and all of the wonderful things that she has said over the years and how people tend to forget uh, just how absolutely- He admires your work. And he, and he really see the potential- and it I mean, used yeah. against her. I saw I did make something uh about her a few years ago um when Tim Canova was running against her. I I'm pretty busy with other stuff and luckily Debbie Wasserman Schultz is 
Uh, I consider her irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, I know she's still in office, but yeah. um, I don't know. I guess she's I, luckily she her relevance is so down the drain. <laughs> I'm, I'm focusing on other things now, but uh, I appreciate uh, the compliment and suggestion. hundred <laughs> percent. We can always revisit that down the road. Um, is there anything you want to share with the audience before you go as far as anything that you are currently working on? Sure. Let's see. What is the next one? Yeah. Um, well, first I'll say, um, you know, if you, if you find the Peter Hotez thing interesting and you want to learn more about him, I recommend Dan Cohen's investigation into him. Uh, that's what piqued my interest into it. That's what inspired my little comedy mashup. And, uh, but what I'm doing next is I've, uh, um, Hamilton 68, more Hamilton 68 stuff. So if, for people who don't know the Twitter files, let's see, R- Russiagate, uh, everyone was being called Russian bots, Russian bots, right. Russian bots, and they were always sourcing Hamilton 68. They were citing Hamilton 68, this dashboard that was allegedly tracking Russian accounts. Um, turns out it was tracking real people. Uh, they were American. They were not bots. And I did one on MSNBC, but I'm doing one on uh, everybody else and, and all the politicians that pushed that uh, misinformation. Uh, including Hillary Clinton at the, you know, it, it's big. It, it, it's incredible uh, seeing how big the propaganda campaign was. I mean, it was literally, you had, it wasn't just every outlet. It was literally like dozen, like a dozen authors at every outlet. Just think about it. So, so anyway, uh, so that's this next project. You can follow me on uh, Twitter, zero RF, YouTube, ORF, rumble, um, all that, all those, uh, and all the other sites that censor too much and all this. <laughs> Thank well, you so much. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on and chatting with us. It was nice to meet you. Guys, f- follow uh, Matt Orfla at 0RF on Twitter. Uh, check out his, all of his content is there. Uh, check out his videos. Um uh, one more time, Matt, what was the name of the really long video that you just did? Uh, nobody is safe. Nobody, nobody is, safe. is safe. Check out that video, guys. Uh, nobody is safe. It's yes. a really great soundtrack. I got I some guy named Beethoven hooked me up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> very, very yeah. cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's keep the conversation going. We appreciate you and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Have Bye. a good night. That was fun. Well, yes, he was lovely. But I do think it's important, you know, when we have these conversations for people not to freak out about, you know, are we discussing a third rail topic that people don't agree with? You know, it's uh, it's absolutely unbelievable how quick people are. And it's like, just come in and listen. And look, Drew, okay. There were certain things that he wouldn't answer. It's fine. It is what it is. It, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I really I think, didn't know that much about him until you know you had been talking about getting him on the show. So I yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been I've been watching his videos for years. I for for the most part, like I said, I think what he does is exceptional work. And yes, he's a regular on Jimmy's show, and that's it is what yeah, it is. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and and so let it be. I don't care. You know, if Jimmy sees the value and, you know, what he's putting out there and thinks that it's important to, you know, give his content, uh, you know, a big platform, then so be it. You know, we're not giving Jimmy's work a big platform and that's it. 
You know, we're we're trying to do what we can. Uh, but the idea that there are things that are just completely off limits, we can't talk about this stuff. Uh, I I grow I grow tired of it because. You know, we know what it was like down here when Jen ran against Debbie and there were saboteurs that really worked the mid. That's a fancy word. Yeah. They were really working overtime to make sure that, you know, Jen's campaign had no chance of succeeding. And there are people that should have been there defending Jen and they wouldn't do it. And part of the reason they wouldn't do it is because they don't want the confrontation. They, you know, uh, it's best just not to say anything. It's best to just be nice with everybody. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't really work that way. That's not how human interaction works. We can't live our, we can't live in a plastic bubble. It doesn't work. We have to be able to address these topics head on. I made it very clear that there's a number of issues that I agree with RFK on, and there's a number of issues that I disagree on. That's the type of conversation. You have to be able to have this conversation. Is RFK the only person who's going to be out there with a major platform saying we have to pardon Julian Assange? Is he the only one with a major platform out there that is going to say that we have a significant problem with inflation in this country. And the reason we have it is because of corporate greed, which is what it is, which is what our friend Steve Grumbine talks about all the time. How, you know, the, the, the ability of corporate power to basically circumvent the entire system and make sure that the middle and working class are the people who are left with the bag. Of course, it's been like that forever. Yeah. You know, how about the fact, uh, you know, Nina Turner, as Mario brings up, Nina's one of our, uh, I will always love Nina and I will always come to bat for her. And it is amazing how many people threw her under the bus at one time or another. You didn't like the comment that she made about President Biden? Her policies kick ass. She's fighting on behalf of working people every day. Yeah. You know, we're just so ready, willing and able to just, and, and you she's amazing. Me. She is she is on the same she is on the same mission with me. So like I consider her somebody like on my you know mission. And so I appreciate that very much. And also she cracks me up to no end when I watch her go off on certain things. Like when she summons black Jesus in sandals, I lose my shit. Like it's so friggin' funny when she I, does that. Off, off the rails, I don't agree with you. And and I gotta tell you, we were in Cleveland both times. And the first time when she should have absolutely won that election, the fact that you had you-know-who and the People's Party and all of these people who were organizing their March for Medicare for All, Nina Turner spent in excess of about a half a million dollars on TV ads in the greater Cleveland metropolitan area talking about how she supports Medicare for all, an actual television commercial in super Biden blue Cleveland, talking about how she supports Medicare for all. And yet the people, and this is where our whole fight with, you know, all of those guys really stem from. No, I know. But what my point is, is that they wanted her to come out to, uh, want to come out to Columbus and, you know, for a 20 person March for Medicare for all event, when all of the consensus should have been, we've got to help Nina win this race. And you can't tell me that Nina on Capitol Hill would not be better than Chantel Brown. I'm not going to hear. I'm, I'm not going to hear. And and so that that is just an example of how the left eats its own. And that is the type of thing that has to stop. I mean, we can only preach so much on our show 
But more and more people need to recognize that. Yes, Ray J, Dennis Kucinich is RFK's campaign manager. If you guys like our content and appreciate the truth telling that we try to do here every every week, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You become a supporter of our wonderful, small but mighty channel. We appreciate any and all support that you can provide. Of course, hey, if, if you- big dumb animals out there, be on the lookout for a package from Crime City Comics. Sorry. Mm. $5 gets you the gets you the Lulu sticker. $10 a month will get you the last Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker. And of course, if you are nice enough to be a $25 a month patron or just a $25 donor, you got yourself the generational change jersey or blue, uh, per, excuse me, purple t-shirt. Silky smooth. You know you want one. Any and all is, uh, yes, there you go. Any and all support is obviously appreciated. And then of course, if you are, concerned about putting your credit card on the grid and don't want to be charged every month, you of course can head over to Cash App, dollar sign, Gen Change. That would obviously be much appreciated. As we said, any and all contributions really do make a difference. Right now, we're really focused on the um, abortion rights ballot initiative in Florida. That is something that we are you know, working on getting through. We have to get close to a million signatures um, by the end of the year. So that's really moving along. And your money, when you support us, it goes to service. And yes, in political season, it does also support non-corporate candidates, um, but mostly it's service and doing things that we can to help locally. And sometimes in other places like East Palestine or, or Miami, occasionally we venture into the 305. Yes, occasionally we do, but obviously our primary focus is on Broward County, which is uh, the territory that we're covering. Uh, yeah, we nef- yeah, it's you know, I hope you're having fun out there. If you were here, we would definitely be out canvassing and getting some signatures. I got to tell you, it's not like I'm looking forward to summer canvassing again. I really do. Like I got to tell you, like I am going to put that off for as long as I can and be up here. Because for people who don't know, canvassing in Florida in end of July, August, and even September is brutal. It's brutal. So we have some interesting guests coming up, of course, for those of you who already know. Oh, quickly, quickly, Miss Anonymous, we are getting um, signatures for to get our um, bodily autonomy back in the state of Florida. So there is a ballot initiative that we are trying to get on the ballot for November 24. Um, that will put abortion rights in our constitution. So it will basically override um, the abortion ban that DeSantis just signed in. So uh, finally heard back from Anna Escamani's team. Um, We will be having the representative uh, on our show. We're going to try to... On Wednesday? uh, No. Uh, On Wednesday, we will be speaking with our New York uh, curmudgeon buddies over at Due Dissonance. So they will be returning, Keaton and Russell. This will be the last time we have them on Wednesday because they are switching their show format to Wednesday evenings. So it will have to be on a Monday from now on if we have them on again, or obviously they may have us on. We'll see about that. Great. Uh, So now they're going on in our time slot? (laughs) Well, not tomorrow, but uh, I think starting in July. Okay. uh, So, yeah, I I think that we have to and we have to have conversations also with people who are on the socialist left. So when's Anna coming on? You didn't say. 
So I believe we'll get Anna on next week. Um, next Monday, uh, we'll see if we want to double it up, but maybe next Wednesday, we'll see. Uh, next Monday, we are going to have on a uh, friend of the show. We'll be returning Billy Corbin. For those of you who know Billy, uh, does a lot of great work. Uh, Cocaine Cowboys, he is an independent filmmaker. In addition to that, the main reason he's coming on is because he's going to enlighten this audience about what an absolute disaster of epic proportions Mayor Francis Suarez, who if you have no idea who the most corrupt mayor is in the United States, he probably is gunning for that title. And oh yeah, by the way, apparently he's running for president of the United States. Uh, the only sitting mayor that is attempting to do something so ridiculous, but he's attempting to do it. And so uh, personally, I think the reason he's doing it is because he's trying to avoid any type of corruption charges, because Lord knows Billy is going to come with the receipts. We'll be prepared to really talk about that. Uh, some upcoming dates of shows that we are going to have on Wednesday, July 5th, which is uh, two weeks from now, we will be having on the uh, we will be having on a panel of the African People's Socialist Party. So uh, well, it's two of the it's two of the um, people that were arrested. Okay, Um, that are going to come on and talk about that. And we're going to maybe go on a few minutes early to kind of explain the background to that a little bit, because it's something I wanted to talk about anything anyways regarding the guru movement. Um, But uh, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to put somebody was just saying they'll get their family to sign it. Um, Here's the petition, guys. Um, It's if you go to Floridians Protecting Freedom dot com, Floridians Protecting Freedom dot com. You can download the petition. You have to print it out. You have to sign it and you have to mail it in. It has to be a hard copy. Um, And then there are also on that website, you can also see where there are hubs where you can pick up petitions and drop off petitions if you don't want to have to like print it out and mail it. We have a hub here. Yes, there is a hub at my house, but um, there might be one closer. I'm not sure where you're, if you've got, if you're talking about Miami, there's definitely hubs down in, in that area. Yes. And so I think that this has been a productive conversation. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of things that are obviously going on right now, Um, but it is the dog days of summer. And I thought that this was an important time, you know, to really address this head on because, you know, the one thing that we won't do though, I know you won't do it and, and I won't do it either. If you have a statement that you want to make, if you believe in, in what you believe, uh, like a number of positions at RFK takes, uh, the desired outcome for a lot of that, you know, you know, mob mentality, if you will, is to get you to retract, get you to apologize, get you to, to heal and do not question the orthodoxy. And all I'm thinking is, no, that's not how this works. You actually have to question it. And that doesn't mean that because we agree with a couple of positions of RFK that now all of a sudden we're going to creep all the way over to the right. Like, that's not how this works. You're, you're allowed to have these nuanced positions about certain things, you yeah. know? It's well, I'm not, that's why I refuse to, I'm not being categorized. I'm not in a category. No, and I don't think anybody should be. It's the same thing when it comes to Donald Trump. You know, there's a lot of things that we could say negative about Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. But in terms of, what did Donald Trump do well as president? He axed the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I can't emphasize enough how big of a deal that is. And I still think there's not enough people who realize just how important that actually was. 
There's a lot of things. Look, he issued less, less drilling permits. Um, he didn't he start any su- he still, Listen, he still sucked at it. But oh, there he- is no, there is, it, there is no comparison to what Trump did to the environment, to what Biden has done, is doing, and will continue to do. And that's why the whole idea of just pretending this isn't happening, the the idea that unions are just lining up, and we all know what's really going on. That's why I forwarded you that video. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to play it, but if you haven't, no, seen, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with her. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the video of Randy Weingarten when uh, somebody asked her specifically, "Why do you support uh, the reelection of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris?" She couldn't even give a reason. It was just he has to finish the job, and we're th- and all I'm thinking is just give us something. Tell us that started the job. He hasn't started the job. I, I just don't understand how you can make a statement like that and think, wow, this is really going to convince all the independents out there that they should be coming to our side and that what we're doing is correct. I don't get that. I don't get how pe- look at the numbers, for God's sake. Look at what the poll numbers are saying. They don't want Joe. They no, don't. it's not going to happen, people. It's and, just not going to happen. And, I, this is, and this is why we keep telling people constantly that if you think Trump, if it's Trump versus Biden, again, I'm telling you, you don't want to take that chance. You don't want to take Biden it. will not beat Trump a second time because there's enough people in this country who probably pulled the lever for Joe last time. And there is even if it means Donald Trump getting in there again. Their attitude is, I cannot and will not vote for him no matter who's on the other side. And that would probably be the same scenario if it was Ron DeSantis, as sick as it is to even fathom that. The Democrats are doing it to themselves. And let me say one more thing. Exactly. The rail workers, between the rail workers and the Willow Project and now the Mountain Valley Pipeline, that he's too scared of the fucking parliamentarian. If you're scared of the parliamentarian, you have no right being in that office. You have got to recognize that when it's when it's you have to it's it's one thing. The reason why an incumbent generally wins is because their party and a healthy portion of the independence of this country believe that that person is doing a good job. Now, I will tell you that the last time the Democrats were in a situation where they had an incumbent president running for reelection. All signs pointed to Obama losing to Romney until Romney effed up with that 47% comment, very similar to Hillary's deplorables comment that basically set the campaign off the rails and was ultimately able to win re-election. It, it's not hard to see that neoliberalism is what is driving us towards fascism and not that people want fascism. But that eventually you back enough people into a corner where they just simply say, give me the Molotov cocktail and let's just end this all. Yeah. I don't care what happens. I don't yeah. care if Trump gets in there again. That's the disposition that so it's many people have. I see it like a Band-Aid. And, I, and, I, and he facilitates the revolution. because And well, we were just talking about this earlier. There are actually people that believe that things would be better had Hillary won. 
And that to me, the people that believe that, that is the fundamental reason why we can't get anywhere is because of the people that believe that. And, and so it's really frustrating. Teresa, want to send love to you uh, for your dog. Obviously, hope everything oh, goes yes. well tomorrow. Um, there is nothing more gut-wrenching. How's I Lulu? don't mind force-feeding them. I got to tell you, all, when, every month I got to do it with the trifexis. They don't like it. Lou hates it. I don't care. I open her mouth and I shove that shit in. And then afterwards, she's fine and she licks me. And it's like, okay, she knows. But it's like, I get it. It's not fun. But just suck it up. Is Lou, is Lou there? Can, can we see our little lady? You're, okay. Come on, baby. Peter wants to say hi. It's the closest I can get for at least the next month. It sucks that it's that long. But hey, look at that little munchkin. Hi, Lou. Fix that ear. Aww. Who's the fairest one of them all? Hey, there's nobody more into white power than Lou. <laughs> Nobody's whiter than Lou, let me tell you. Um, we are talking up and torture them kind of really. You know what's interesting, Travers? You're joking about that. I'm in all in all seriousness, I have a friend who truly believes that that is one of Ron DeSantis' sort of hidden problems, issues that he hasn't addressed, that issue. So it's interesting that you say that. Because it wouldn't shock me, actually. Yeah, no, it wouldn't either. Um, listen, if you look back at all of the ones that got exposed, the Ted Haggerts of the world, who was the representative up in, that got caught in, in the Minnesota bathroom with the leg under the stall? I forgot the guy's name. Uh, like his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was from Texas. He was... Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forget. He was such a douche anyway. Oh my yeah, God. he put his oh, leg on the stall. It was like a known thing. I, how about Michelle Bachman's husband? And they try to be the most overtly Christian people walking this yeah. planet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's the thing. And I think one of the reasons for me is that if and when that is the case, where I feel like, you know, it's someone that's not being like true to themselves, I find it hard to support people like that because I feel like if you're not, and we've talked about this before with other candidates, like I, it's very hard for me when somebody must be so interconflicted um, to think that that's a good plan to put them in some sort of charge position. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know that that's, and, and, and again, I am not saying that about DeSantis. I don't know. I just, I'm saying I have a friend who believes in her Gator heart of hearts that that is a, a thing for him. And that is one of the one of the issues. If there's one thing that we have seen and when so many people constantly harping on why are there so many gay people now? Yes, why are there right. so many? Why are there so many trans people now? Why is it, you know, and, and all I keep thinking is we're living in a time now where people want to just be who they really are. It's not like we're living in a time where people are not able to express themselves in a way that they can't just be their true selves. And I will remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that scientific, again, I know everyone's questioning the science these days, but consistently over many, many years, about one out of nine, one out of 10 people identify within the LGBTQ community. Do you know how many people that is in the United States? That's over 30 million people. 
That means you are going to see them in your daily lives. They are there. They, they are just as human. They're human. amongst us. <laughs> but well, watch out, they might convert so you. interesting over the past few years is the amount of people that are somehow under this, into this idea that there's this whole new wave of transgenderism sweeping the country and people grooming our children. And it's, it's so absurd. It's so anti every amount of reason and science that we have at our disposal. And it's just, it's very unproductive commentary because it's like, not only is it hurting the trans community and trans children is collateral damage, but it's really keeping us distracted from what we really need to be talking about. But yet we do have to be defending the rights of trans people because it is completely unacceptable for them to be collateral damage. And again, um, but when, yeah. But when you're talking, and, and then of course they're always going to point out, yeah, but they're grooming kids. Listen, there's always going to be outliers in any scenario. There will, will there somewhere. They'll always find that one that some, that one some, drag place that has kids, you know. Kid. And 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 I agree that that's wrong. But you know what? It's no different than this idea that during COVID, all of these people were just randomly walking up, to, you know, like the like that crazy old white bearded guy in Utah yeah. who was coughing on people. Ha ha ha! You got your COVID, and I'm thinking. You're always going to find the outliers. They're always there. The camera's yeah. always ready to find that crazy lunatic. Because it, it gets clicks and it keeps us all fighting. But Correct. but the reality is, is that, again, and I, I come back to like even what we were talking about a little bit in the chat was like, you know, different potential causes for transgenderism. Could there be toxicity increases? Could it be? It could be a myriad of things. It could be really, and I would be completely open and stipulate that it could be any and all of the reasons that you think. And I would still argue it's none of our damn business and be kind. So it's like, it, it, here's the thing. It doesn't really matter to me why people are or are not transgender. Um, it, yeah. it really doesn't matter why to me, uh, other than it might be interesting, you know, if we really, really wanted to research that. But like, it doesn't matter because they're just people and I would just be kind. And like, me, I don't, it's really not complicated. And let, and let me also say, as somebody who has been around many members of, of the gay community for many years, uh, if you're straight, you're straight. Right, you're who made you straight? I love saying that to the people that talk about like, if, if you think that somebody can make you gay, then that means that somebody can make you straight. And also then I would like to point out, and in all fairness, if they're talking about grooming, well then, we were all groomed to be heterosexual, live in a house with a white picket fence, have two point whatever kids. So we're all groomed to be heterosexuals then. Like I, I, the whole thing is so stupid. These people more, are not thinking. And one more thing to the political right that constantly want to harp on, you know, they're grooming kids, they're grooming kids. There is no, no one grooms more kids in this country than the Catholic Church. Uh, and, and if they're you are grooming kids. Now, if you're not going to address that and you're not going to address it head on, and we know you're not, uh, then the conversation's over. That's not to say that there aren't potential groomers that are out there that happen to be trans. I'm sure they exist. But in the Catholic Church, it is a cottage industry. It but can we everywhere. also talk about what I like to call facts? Um in fact, I would love to see what if there's any more current numbers about like uh, the percentage of people that do are pedophiles and stuff that are either gay in that community. 
but it was like next to nothing. I want to tell you, like the last time I, I, I heard the statistic for that, like, so the fact that people are, are trans, that actually statistically makes them less threatening to your children. If somebody is gay, they're statistically less threatening to your children. So it's just, it, these opinions are not based on reason. I still use the best argument for the LGBTQ community, which is if you look at the economic benefits that they provide in every single community, whether it's in Miami Beach, whether it is in Wilton Manors in Fort Lauderdale, Asbury Park, New Jersey, San Francisco, California, when you look at the economic impact that they have, Brooklyn, Metal, New York, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Yeah, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Metal, I love rainbows, unicorns. I have, I, I trust me, I'm trying, I'm working on like some sort of like unicorn thing for pride next year, maybe, but like uh, nobody makes people be gay or trans. That's Mr. not Mom, a thing. You need to know where you're coming up with that statistic and where exactly that number is being, I, I don't, it's, you want to say in the 1950s? Yeah, maybe, but. 93% of who identify as religious? Yeah, I, I need more no, context. No, 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 no. There's no way that, not in this country. Most people, oh no, I don't know what she's, what, what yeah, that. Yeah, we need more context with that. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, they're and, just and, people. They're just, it, I, yeah. honestly, it's very frustrating. Trans people, they're just people. They're just living their lives. Most of their lives are probably fairly boring, like most people's lives. They go to work, they come home, they have dinner, they hang with their family. Like, I, it's it's so silly that we're so concerned with this issue. I, I It's really very, um, it's very pedestrian, I must say. Like, I feel like it's very pedestrian for people to be like stuck on this. And yeah, I do feel more advanced than that. I do. I feel like I'm capable of getting past discussing genitals. Yeah, I think we're at a good, we're, we're certainly in a better position than we've ever been, but there's still going to be outliers. Uh, oh, abusers, abusers. Uh, okay, well, that yes. Yeah, that might be true. That, I, I would think hey, so. that, that makes deny, sense because and, they and hate don't, themselves. They hate don't themselves deny the fact. religion. And, don't, and, and remember, Catholicism is the singular largest uh, religious denomination in the United States. Don't think for a second that, think about how many priests go into the parish because they're gay, because they, they, they hate, you know, it's like they hate themselves and they think, well, a life of celibacy will do, will do me good. And then the next thing you know, you realize that you're in an organization that protects you if you want to live that life. It's the, like the idea that you can't square that circle is just. I just, I can, I've never understood this my whole life. I didn't understand it when I was little. I remember even asking my mom stuff about this. Like, I just do not understand people's fixation with what other people do. Like, I, I, I it's just so strange to me. Like people, it's all I could do to really keep myself interested in what's going on in my own group of people. Like the idea that I would really be so interested with what other people are doing. Like, I just, it's so weird to me. And mind your business. And just let's mind not your forget, business. And let's not forget that this whole conversation, this whole thing, this whole thing that happened from the beginning of today with, with RFK and everything that we've talked about, bring this conversation full circle. Everything is a distraction from the fact that 
You cannot afford to live anywhere. You can't get a living wage. You must learn a trade, but you have no tuition-free college, so you're going to put yourself into even more debt. You do not have health care. So if you get sick or you no. need medicine, forget it. You're screwed. Metalophily, there is no way that's true. There is, there is no way. There is endless war where we cannot get out of our own way in terms of foreign policy. People don't understand the difference between micro and macro economics, which there is a significant difference. You have to balance the budget at the, at the state and the local level. At the federal level, we are a currency issuer. We have to balance it against corporate greed, which we have not done. I think RFK, in a way, explained it fairly okay, I would say, on, on Joe Rogan. Uh, but he could have done a better job. There's no question he could have, which is why he really needs to be having a conversation with somebody like Steve Grumbine about uh, modern monetary theory. But he had the right idea that the biggest reason for our inflation crisis is because of corporate greed. There's no question that that is the biggest, that is the, uh, the, the most identifiable reason as to why we have that problem. But well, these, again, it's it's I find it to be a capitalism problem. But, you know, OK. There is no question whatsoever that these identifying issues that we've just brought up overwhelmingly. And I'm sure most of the people in the chat would agree. These are issues that we agree on. We're not going to agree on whether or not there is any truth to ascertain or whatever it is, or the, the chemical that RFK is convinced that because frogs, but frogs can change their sexes with or without uh, some type of, um, you know, a pesticide. Uh, uh, people, do, do people not know that frogs are capable of changing their sex? Um, do people not realize that frogs, frogs are amphibians and not mammals? And so why are we comparing them? Uh, that is, and, and this is the point. The system is sinking us. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. And as long as we are going to be continued, as long as we continue to allow ourselves to be distracted, if we continue to play this stupid game, you know, that's it's not aspartame as or as or teen or something. That's what it's called. No, yeah, he didn't mean aspartame. He didn't mean aspartame. Yeah. But that's not good either, by the way. That no, shit's aspartame, not good for you. aspartame is terrible. That's all yeah. in the dark. That's that's yeah. like NutraSweet. It's the same. God, talk I about gave up diet soda like five years ago at this point. I haven't had a soda in like five, at least five years. I gave up soda when I was a teenager, believe it or not. I gave it up really early. Uh Again, these types of things, <clears throat> the issues that we bring up, don't get distracted by the lunacy issues, like whether or not there is something in uh, crop pesticides that are turning people trans. It's like, just don't deal with that nonsense. There's no point. And I am not averse to reading studies and seeing if there's data that supports that. We can discuss that. But it's irrelevant because it's none of your business. Correct. It doesn't matter unless you are somebody. And if you are a trans 
gender person and you feel the need to research your, you know, what's going to have at it, but it's no one else's business. But as we've said, is RFK correct when it comes to the military industrial complex, literally hook, line and sinker controlling our government and our economy? Yes. Is it true that the CIA assassinated his father and his uncle? Almost assuredly. Is it true that Julian Assange, if he is prosecuted, is basically the death knell for our First Amendment rights? Yes, these things matter. And he is talking about them. And that's relevant. You disagree with his stance on vaccines? That's perfectly fine. But casting aspersions about people and their positions because they agree with somebody on something and disagree with them on something else? I'm sorry, but you're not getting anywhere, buddy. Just like if you disagree with Matt Orfala, do you disagree with the video that he made and the information that was provided? He's just putting what actually was said out there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we need to hear these things. I think people should question these things. I would never advocate for somebody to go out there and take ivermectin. But you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't be telling people that taking ivermectin is taking horse paste because there's two different kinds. And the people who are saying it, they know that there's two different kinds and they choose to say that they're taking horse paste anyway. Why? Because it's all about controlling the masses. That's all it is. People can go out and do whatever the hell they want. And you know what? If they end up taking horse paste, that's their fucking problem. If they're stupid enough to take it, that's their problem. Well, that's Darwinism. I, I don't mind that. You know what I mean? And if anybody hasn't ever read the Darwin Awards, highly recommend. Very highly recommend. People do some seriously dumb shit. I will say it's predominantly men um, that do the stupidest shit. And I, we see it in videos all the time, but you know what I'm saying. I Biden is not willing to pardon Assange. And that's the thing. I don't know what it is. I can't, if there was even a shred, if there was something there with Joe, if there oh was God. something nothing. there, anything, there's gives nothing. nothing. There is nothing. There is not only nothing, there is less than nothing. This has become a disaster of epic proportions. And you're out there and you wheel out those unions after he crushed the railroad workers. And well, that's, and first of all, we already know about what we think about the teachers union, okay? Like we already know what we think about them in terms of their politics, but it really does show you that it has nothing to do with labor. So the teachers union is not really interested in the best interest of labor because if you're in the best interest of labor, you wouldn't automatically be endorsing the person that just screwed the railroad workers. And in this case, as far as being able to ask Joe a question, guys, have you not seen how his presidency has been run, especially when it comes to press conferences? Yeah. It's like every question has to be de, you know, decoded first. You can't even get to him if you want to. No. Well, because he has to have a pre-planned thing. I think he's probably medicated. I think certain times a day he probably sundowns or whatever it is that they have to keep him on. I don't know, whatever it is, Adderall or whatever they give him. Who knows? But like, yeah, he can't be. They also don't trust him to just be from the hip. They don't trust him. 
His people don't trust him. So of and, course they're going to have everything pre-planned. And on, t- and on top of everything else. Corn pop, you know, like you can't trust him. You get the AFL-CIO to come out and endorse him. We knew that was coming. It is the biggest union that has been hooked, line and sinkered with the Democratic establishment for generations now. That's not a surprise. We are not surprised by the Sierra Club coming out and endorsing Joe because they endorse Debbie Wasserman Schultz over Jen. Yeah, guys, in case you don't realize, like the Sierra Club is not really an environmental organization. It's a money. You're not going to see the Sunrise Movement do something like that. You're not going to see Climate Defiance go out there, who's a real climate organization. They're not going to go out there and do that. But people live for the nostalgia of what an organization once was. But above everything else, of all the endorsements, and we know why the teachers endorsed Joe because of Randy Weingarten. That's all you need to know. You don't need anything else. But the biggest disappointment of all the unions that immediately, again, it's one thing if you come out and endorse the president when it's time for the general election. The fact that you're doing this a year and a half before the election reeks of desperation. And if if that's not enough, the fact that the National Nurses United came out and endorsed Joe, a candidate who has vehemently said, I will never support universal health care. I'm very disappointed and- in the nurses. I'm very disappointed in the nurses. The nurses have, that union has definitely been one of the biggest supporters of Medicare for all. Um, so it's just, it's disappointing. And but what's the rush to endorse right now? Well, it's they're like so said, scared it's- of RFK. I, I honestly, I even if that is the case, it's it's very bad timing. Like this is, vi- if anything, where is the sense of we need to endorse Joe, like a, a couple of weeks prior to the first primary election, like that from a strategic standpoint at least would make sense, even if you don't agree with it. But that from a strategic standpoint is the only sensible move. Because very often, that's where a lot of that ends up happening. Uh, Thank you so much, Sandra. Atrazine. So I was close. I just couldn't actually say it correctly. But thank you very much for pointing that out. Appreciate that. I did not know there was an oil spill in Massachusetts yesterday. I didn't Um, know that either. No. uh, And that's really not surprising. But yes, let's keep building more. Let's keep building more pipelines. That'll help. The claim to fame. As sad as this is, and this is why we keep talking about the neoliberal incrementalism is going to be the death of us. The only thing, if you can call it an accomplishment, you want to call it one, that's fine. The only thing that Joe has done in almost three years as president of the United States, two and a half years as president of the United States, what's his one accomplishment with health care? They reduced insulin prices down to $35 a month, even though it should be free. But the point being is that it's one thing. And remember, insulin for most people is life and death. You hear the stories all the time about people rationing their insulin to stay alive. Insulin is supposed to be free. How do I know this? Because it's free everywhere else in the effing world. But this is his claim to fame. Let's harp on this idea that we took one particular pharmaceutical drug and reduced it to a manageable price for the average senior in this country. Does that matter? Sure, it matters. But in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything because in terms of what we actually need, tell me you reduced every pharmaceutical drug in the country down to $35 a month. Now, that would have been an accomplishment. And even that, I would typically say, all right, it's something. This is nothing. 
No, he's done nothing. He's actually done less than nothing. I would say he's actually pushed pushed us backwards than just doing nothing. One step forward, um, two steps back. That's what it feels like every yeah, day. Yeah, he's he hasn't done anything that has earned you know me ever supporting him ever again. Um, but I always looked at it like this from the very beginning, which is what I always said would have been so much better about Bernie is everything exactly. that Joe could have done by executive order to help people and has failed to do so, that's a failure on his part. So everybody can go and look up, everybody can research what are in his executive order powers, what does that include? It's a lot of things, we've talked about it on here before, but all of those things, every one of them is a failure on his part. 2,500 people are still incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses in federal prison. He could pardon and expunge them. He could decriminalize cannabis. He could do a debt jubilee for all debt, not just student loan debt, by the way. He could do all sorts of really cool things and he does none of them. So that that is a problem. And, and you can blame a lot of things on the legislative branch. That's why I suggest everybody look up all the things that Joe could have done and then ask yourself, why would I, would I be willing to vote for somebody who could have done all this and chose not to? Why would I vote for them? Yeah. And I think we have a right to ask that. We have to stop living our lives out of fear because that's what they're backing on. They're, they're already, this is already set up. This is already set up for, you've got Trump or DeSantis on the other side. We don't exactly. have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. That there's, there's the big one. Yeah. Just like Obama didn't resend Bush's tax cuts, it's because when it comes to corporate special interests, They're all the, the same. two parties are together. They're together. They just, one plays one role, the other plays the other role. But at the end of the day, as I often say, if you've seen the image at the beginning of the pandemic between Pelosi and McConnell doing the elbow tap, that's, that's, that's the mask off. That's how they really feel. Well, I actually, I take it even further. I actually had this conversation today. I actually, and we've talked about it. Um, I don't think Nancy Pelosi supports a woman's right to choose. I don't think Joe Biden does either. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that I say this about Pelosi, but it's even more infuriating because she is, in fact, a woman that sits there and plays that card. Yeah. But I, I say this because if you look at how many years she has been in power, either as the Speaker of the House or just the leader of the party or whatever it is, and how she is the biggest rainmaker in Congress. And by the way, people, the person who makes it rain has the power to do whatever they want. That's how right. life works. That so when true. you look back at Nancy Pelosi's career and the amount of time she's been in power and the amount of time she's been in power when there was the ability to get things done and that we don't have the right to bodily autonomy and the most powerful woman in our country legislatively didn't choose to do that and make that a priority, she's not for it. It's that simple. Because I could assure you, if I were in charge at that level in Congress for that many years and had that many super majorities, there's no universe where I wouldn't have gotten that done. So the only way I can ra reason that is that she's not pro-choice. So it's, I just find the whole thing very, very infuriating with her. Definitely agree. Um, and I also think that it's always been used as a wedge for the purpose of raising money and scaring oh, yeah. people. And that's what it comes down to. The whole premise. And listen, Ron DeSantis is scary. I don't think Trump is scary. I think Trump is just, you he's know, a buffoon. he's a buffoon. 
But DeSantis is scary. DeSantis is the natural progression of a failed system. You've seen this time and time again. The good news is, is that, and, and this is why we are friendly with Gavin Mariel Wax, who's head of the New York Young Republicans. It's a very big organization, very influential yeah. organization. He has made it crystal clear that under no circumstances will he support Ron DeSantis because he believes Ron DeSantis is an absolute war hawk of the highest order, which by, you know, to, to one degree or another, you could say that he basically is adhering to this notion that, yeah, there is a fascist element in the Republican Party. And so with that being said, you know, you got to think about where the youth vote is going to go. And we'll leave you guys with this. There is no question right now, if you're really looking closely as to what's going on, however, tepidly behind the scenes within the Democratic establishment, Gavin Newsom is waiting in the wings. He is absolutely waiting. And whether it's a question of him getting the word from his aunt, Pelosi, that he can actually get in the race, my understanding, again, how accurate this information is, I don't know. But what we've been told is Newsom is basically looking at this over the next probably, you know, to the end of the summer as to where Biden's numbers go. If they continue to trend downward into like the low 60s, even into the 50 percentile, it's probably likely he's going to get into the race. I don't and know. I don't see how anybody in the establishment gets in the race against Biden. And I don't see any way for Biden not to run without them dissing Kamala, which they won't do. And so they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. They have to run Joe because they won't run Kamala. They, and they might know that be really bad. Well, they might be. But you know what, though? Newsom, Kamala was the senator from California, but Newsom is the governor from California. And I do think that he holds, listen, I, I don't support the guy, but he holds a he certain amount of- He can't win either. It doesn't Yeah, he matter. can't. He's just, he's, he is- he is the he's the Kennedy that the liberals of today want to pretend that, you know, you know, Jack and, and Bobby work. But the point being is that that shtick works with the MSNBC and CNN crowd. Is it enough to actually sway them away from Joe and go to him? Because the truth is, if Joe was not the incumbent president and Gavin Newsom was running right now, oh, he'd mop the floor with Joe in, in a in a primary. Oh, they. They couldn't wait to line up and vote for somebody like Gavin Newsom in the primary election. Oh, 100%. I think he would too, but I don't think he'll get in. And I think he'll just sit and wait. That I would agree with as well. He'll just wait till 28. And the fact that, and, and just the fact that Newsom, so, you can tell Newsom so desperately wants to face off against Ron DeSantis. And he knows that he doesn't want to wait another five years for it to happen. So he's looking at it right now as this is really my opportunity. We'll see what happens. But I agree with you. There is probably some truth to the whole issue of, of Kamala. Uh, I don't know how significant that is, but, you know, time is going to tell. If they, had, if, if they had a vice president that was a viable candidate, that's what they would be doing. That's probably true. That's probably true. So, they are so the fact that they're running now. Joe again is they're out of ideas. Yeah, but if they but if ultimately Joe stepped away then Kamala would be able to run, but she wouldn't be able to just push the entire crowd out of the equation. They, that's, the, that's the tricky part. So I don't know how it's going to unfold, but day after day, I look at this and I'm just thinking, do they really want to take this chance of just handing it over to them? Because that's what it looks like to me. That's, that's what I see. 
I, I just, I watch the Democratic thing and it's like, I honestly, it, I've said it before, I, it doesn't matter who wins their primary. I don't think that the Democrats have a single candidate that can beat whoever the Republican is, quite honestly. And that includes people like Nikki Haley or even people further down let's the not, list. Let's, yeah, let's not go nuts. But if at the end of the day, the nominee is going to be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, uh, you're asking you... If Joe Biden is the nominee, God, just please, for the love of God, just be realistic. Just look at the, the the guy is not capable. You can't even fathom this idea that he can stay in that office for another almost six years. Oh, no I, mean, can, I wasn't I'm not sure he's making it to the end of the term. I don't know that. You guys, a year and a, and and a half is, not, suffer, is a long the, way away for someone who's 80. <laughs> and, the, and the country suffers as a result. Every day, the country suffers more and more from a president who you you look at him and you think, how is he, how is he there? Well, is that's he why I don't see any scenario where he can win again. I just, I don't see it. Yeah, we're in a very, we're in a very tricky spot. So... Uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but that's why we focus on we, we really after tonight, we really just need to focus on our business here in Florida and what we can control at the local level, at the state level. You know, we obviously have to see if the Democrats are even going to attempt to put up a decent candidate against Rick Scott. Um, it probably won't mean anything, but, you know, you got to try. And I think having the women's right to choose issue on the ballot could actually be one of the only safeguards that might allow a Democrat to compete against Rick Scott next year. So we'll see what we're able to do there. Tune in on Wednesday for Due Dissonance. Next Monday, Billy Corbin and Escamani is going to be coming. Another big guest might be around the corner. So we'll uh, we'll keep you guys uh, informed. Uh, make sure to smash that like button, share, subscribe, do all those wonderful things that we ask you to do. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you Wednesday. Bye, all. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.